So Luke chapter 1, we have a doctor giving us a meticulous account in order to strengthen and encourage someone named Theophilus, who is obviously a Gentile, who's come to faith in Christ, and he wants to line out for him, line by line, event by event, a meticulous undertaking of the life of Jesus. And so in doing so, we find that he begins in verse 5 with this idea of Herod being the king of Judah. And there's a priest there named Zacharias, and he's of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife uh, from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now you're familiar with this, but don't let the familiarity sway you, okay? They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. If you have your trusty pen, you want to mark that. They were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before the Lord in an appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot. Somebody whipped out the dice and they rolled it to see who went next, right? To enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, this is interesting because the sovereignty of God is enacted in this situation. Because you had 18,000 possible candidates for this particular job at any moment that could step in and do this. But in the casting of the lot, the lot fell to Zacharias. Verse 10, the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at that hour of the incense offering, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition, your repeated and constant pleas to God, is the idea of petition, has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy, sorry, you will have, yeah, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and to the, diso and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous. So as, here's his reason, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And that's a high calling, amen? A very big one. He is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And his whole point is to snap everybody back into reality of what is right and wrong so they recognize what sin may be obstructing them from seeing the Messiah when he comes on the scene and then calling them to faith in him. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, here's his question, how will I know this for certain? Mr. Angel Guy, how do I know that you're not lying to me? Now, I don't know about you, but angels are in the business of lying, right? That's what they primarily do. Remember, we, we got to give a little grace here. We're not in his sandals, right? But he's probably a little shocked here. And then hearing this news, oh, we're going to have a baby? Oh, okay. And uh, oh, I'm going to be the forerunner to the Messiah that we've all been looking for the past 39 books of the Old Testament. That's going to be me. 
Interesting place. So notice, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Here's the answer. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the days when these things take place because you did not believe my words. You got a pen? There it is. The reason because you did not believe my words. Because, Zacharias, you are operating in unbelief, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Notice that it's prophetic in nature. It says here, verse 21, the people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple, but when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with, with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, exact same angel, right? The, the, the could-be-lying angel, right? Uh was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was crazy. Nazareth has no cultural anything. Those people were crude. It's often how the, the sense or the, 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 the feeling I get when you guys talk to me about Madison and your experiences there. Right? That kind of mentality. Very interesting. And notice, to a virgin, to a man whose name was Joseph, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, of the line of the king, is the idea they want to get across here. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she said, Ha! Making sure you're awake. Okay, good. <clears throat> but she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You have found grace, is the word. You found grace with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Anybody know what the name Jesus means? Yeshua? Anybody know? means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. That will be his name, Jesus. Verse 32, he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now I want to show you something interesting about this verse 32. Notice here in verse 32, you have Gabriel doing something that often Old Testament prophets would do. Anytime an Old Testament prophet would speak about something that would be prophetic in nature, forward-thinking, future times in nature, he would sometimes give you information concerning the first coming of Christ, and it would run right into information concerning the second coming of Christ. And they were always able to do one after the other. Now, notice what we have here. He will be great, 
and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And right after the Son of the Most High, if you took your pen and you just put a little slash right up and down in between those two, because this idea of him being great and called the Son of the Most High, that's his first coming. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. We know that didn't happen while he was on earth because Jesus is promised to reign from the throne of David in a literal, political way. It will be a theocratic kingdom when he returns, and he will actually sit physically on the throne of his father David. This doesn't happen in his first coming. So we look at the second part here. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David is the second coming. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, how long? Forever. forever. And just real quick, to let everybody know, the word forever means forever. Just making sure we know that. There's some scholars that don't believe that. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, here's the question, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Here's the answer. The angel said to him in the place, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, you dumb woman. Is that what he says? Does he strike her with silence until the birth of the child? No. Look what he says. Look at the answer. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow. That word means envelop you, cast a shadow upon you. And for that reason, get this, for that reason, because we have a supernatural introduction of conception that is taking place, and it's not happening through a human means, but a spiritual means, very important, for that reason, the holy child, good word, shall be called the Son of God. Why couldn't Jesus be born of just a man and woman? Here's the reason why. is because the propensity to sin is passed from the man to the woman. So you needed something in order to bring about a human being, and so you can't get away from the woman, no matter how much people today try to legislate that, right? You can't get away from it. But you could not have the introduction of the seed of man because within the seed of man contains sin. You remove the sin element, you have a divine conception. I mean, really, we're not talking about a miraculous birth. Jesus was born just like anybody else was. But what we're talking about is his conception is miraculous. And in doing so, he is able to be conceived apart from sin and yet still be encased in the very flesh vehicle that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit designed back in Genesis chapter 1. So you have him for this reason, being apart from the introduction of sin, being a holy child, holy, hagias, set apart, unique, withdrawn from other corrupt things is the idea. For nothing, verse 37, or I'm sorry, verse 36, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month for nothing, verse 37, amazing, for nothing will be impossible with God. How come Gabriel didn't backhand Mary when she questioned him? You ever wondered that? What is it about Zacharias that he gets berated and actually judged and Mary does not? It goes back to that first phrase I asked you to underline. They were advanced in years. They were old. 
Because when you look at the situation with Zechariah and Elizabeth, how in the world are we going to have a child being this old? I'm surprised Gabriel didn't start flipping open to Genesis chapter 12 and going, son, we did this before. We already conquered this goat, right? You ought to know this. You offer incense to the Most High God. You should be thoroughly drenched in the Scriptures. Abraham was 100. You're not there. Did God do that? Yes. Can he do this? Yes. That's why he was judged. But had God ever taken a woman who had never known a man, and all of a sudden she's pregnant? Never. So the question's legitimate. The question's completely legitimate. We've never seen this before. I don't have anything in your word to draw off of. Zacharias is operating in unbelief. Mary is operating in what in the world is getting ready to happen. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, the bond slave, the doulos, means a slave maid. It means someone who is a willing servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to to your word. In other words, I believe what you've said. Now let's walk forward. And the angel departed from her. Belief and unbelief is saturated throughout the word of God. And it is especially pertinent in the conception of the Messiah. Because nothing like this had ever happened before. The circumstances surrounding his birth alone set him apart as unique. When we talk about what it is to celebrate Christmas, we have been beaten into submission by the retail world. We can't even wait for Friday to have Black Friday anymore. We've got issues. We've got problems. And what it is, is it's redirecting our focus in whatever way it could possibly be in order to keep our minds off of the main thing in that moment there were no distractions between gabriel and mary there was just truth it was just truth sitting right before her eyes letting her know that the insane was getting ready to take place and that god was going to care for her like a little child the entire way through is that jesus calling Okay, I knew exactly who it was without having to look over too. We'll pray for you, brother. Zacharias, on the other on the other side of it, had spent his life being saturated with God's word, and yet missed it. Didn't believe. When confronted with the opportunity for great blessing from God, God still blesses, but he misses it. He misses the opportunity to say, may it be done to us, Lord. May it be done to us, just like you say, just like your word says, just like we've seen you do in the past. God, you were faithful then, you're faithful now. Why? Because you do not change. God doesn't change. But the amazing thing about the virgin conception is that as Scripture goes on, you learn more and more and more. Jesus Christ is the unique Son of God. 
the Messiah from the Spirit of God himself. I can't sit here and explain that. It just is what it is. The amazing thing is, is that Jesus Christ is born and he comes to die. He lives the life you and I can't live. So that by paying for your sin, my sin, he makes available to live that life that we could not live. He makes the impossible possible. He takes our sin upon himself. He sets you and I free. I love the fact that he doesn't ask you to be religious. I love the fact that he doesn't beat you into submission. I love the fact that he doesn't call you to terms because of your sin. I love, you the, fa I love the fact that he doesn't tell you to throw this and that away. Get rid of all your pagan CDs. They'll send you to hell. He just says believe. Believe. Do you believe? Now don't get me wrong, there's all kinds of things we shouldn't be doing. Otherwise, we wouldn't be candidates for salvation, right? That's a beautiful thing about it. I love the fact that Jesus looks beyond me in order to save me. So here's a question. Have you believed? Do you believe? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? His birth alone sets him apart as anything different, and I tell you what, it only gets more unique from then on out. This is just the beginning, and if this is the beginning, it starts with a bang, doesn't it? As you move forward, there is no one like him, and someone, somewhere, at every point in history, doesn't matter, in your life, whatever, has to do something with Jesus. You have to. You have to come to some sort of conclusion about him. You can't just leave him. You can't just set him on a shelf. He's not the elf on the shelf, right? You can't just put him aside. You can't just wrap him up in paper and forget about him. You can't just dish out a bunch of money and think that it'll go away. He won't. You've got to do something with him. He offers salvation full and free. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Christ, our Messiah, who is born under the most humble and unique circumstances, but first off announced as being great, the Son of the Most High, who will sit on the throne of David, who will rule and reign from Jerusalem, literally, politically, theocratically, and of his kingdom there will be no end. He will reign forever. Father, everything in this Christmas season tries to rob the joy of truth right before us. Father, save our eyes and our ears from being led astray. And may we glorify you because of our blessed Messiah. It's in his name we pray it. Amen.